Hi, I'm Leah Potter. And I'm Meredith Roten, and we're two news editors at the GW Hatchet. This is the Hatchet's weekly podcast, Getting to the Bottom of It, covering the happenings around Foggy Bottom and GW's campus. I'm here with senior news editor Kayla Harris for, to talk about some really big news this week uh, with the impending departure of an administrator. Kayla, can you tell us what happened? Yeah, Provost Forrest Maltzman announced on Thursday that he plans to resign this year. So he will stay in his position until the university finds a new provost. So he'll be here probably for a couple of weeks at the very least, a couple of months at the most, while the university launches a search for someone else to head all of the university's academic, research, and student affairs initiatives. He's been an administrator for a few years. Can you give us a highlight of some of his top accomplishments? Definitely. Maltzman has been in his current role as provost for about three years. Before that, he served as a top academic affairs administrator from 2011 um, to 2016. Um, And then before that, he led the poli-sci department for a couple of years, and he's been a faculty member since 1993. So he has been here for a very long time and has definitely done quite a few things. So among those things, especially in his leadership roles, uh, past couple years he has restructured the student affairs divisions. He has um, switched the university to test optional for applications. He has overseen the implementation of a whole bunch of new diversity measures. He oversaw the merger of the Corcoran School of the Arts and Design with the Columbian College of Arts and Sciences. What were people's reactions to his resignation? Was there any surprise? Definitely some surprise. We had a couple of professors say that this came out of the blue, that they didn't expect it. Even for people, though, who were surprised, people who weren't surprised, whatever, they said that they were really sad. I have heard nothing but respect for him and a lot of people that we spoke with said that they would miss his leadership that he was a really inclusive leader in in the sense that he would some people said that he quote-unquote empowered his employees to lead their departments he trusted them with their knowledge um and he hopes that people remember him for being a transparent leader and someone who trusted his employees when you went to faculty senate on friday how was his last speech? It was really sad. Um, I don't know if this will be his last speech to the faculty senate because he's staying on for a bit after, you know, after his announcement. Because we are launch, we as in the university is launching the search for a new provost, and he's staying on in the interim. He basically talked about his time at GW. He highlighted some of his accomplishments. He talked a lot about the retention rate, both um, the first-year retention rate and uh, also the six-year graduation rate, the four-year graduation rate, too, um, all of which have gone up under his tenure. And then at the end of his speech, he got a standing ovation from the faculty senate. But it was it was just a reflection, really, on his time at GW. Even though I talked to him and I talked to a lot of faculty, you probably had the most high-profile interview, Meredith, of this whole story. You talked to former university president Stephen Knapp. I think this is the first time that we've actually talked to him, period, since he stepped down a couple years ago. So what did you talk to him about? Yeah, it was actually really interesting to talk to him because when Stephen Knapp came to GW in 2007, that's actually when he first was introduced to Forrest Maltzman because during that time, the university was preparing for its accreditation process, and he was pointed to Maltzman as someone who would be a good person to lead that process. But he really admired Maltzman's data-driven, evidence-driven approach to everything. He pointed to the test-optional policy as something that Maltzman had worked really hard on doing research for, and then he felt like it was nationally recognized that GW had done this, and 
it was something that Maltzman should be really proud of during his time here. Maltzman is a huge data person. Like, we have talked to him, and I have talked to him so many times, and every year he gives this presentation at Faculty Senate about the core indicators, and the core indicators include a whole bunch of data ranging from retention rates to application numbers to diversity rates to everything, and he just goes crazy over this stuff. And so that's funny that Nat brought that up because that's such a huge part of his job and something that he enjoys so much, and he sat down with me and other reporters here to go step-by-step through that data, so... Yeah. And like you said, he has enjoyed that aspect of his job. And I asked Knapp if he was surprised that Maltman was stepping down after so many years of service to the university in this capacity. And he said that it didn't come as a huge surprise because he's also seen the work that Maltman does in the classroom and how dedicated he is to students. And after Knapp himself was a provost for a few years, so he said he knew how draining that process can be. So it doesn't surprise him that Maltzman was stepping down. Yeah, it's important to note that Maltzman is returning to the classroom. So after the university finds a new provost, he is going to take a sabbatical. It's his first sabbatical in more than two decades. And he doesn't know what he's going to do during it. I asked him. He said he might write a book or something. But oh, but then after that, he will come back to the political science department, which, like I mentioned, he had... Um, he had overseen the poli-sci department for a couple of years back in um, 2008 to 2011, I think. And Since he's stepping down, how is the university looking for the next provost? Um, the, the provost is basically the president's right-hand man, so the president will be overseeing this search, and that will launch in the next couple of weeks. The university has retained a search firm to help out with this, and this will be a national search for a new provost. Um, fun fact... Forrest was, oh, I'm sorry. Fun fact, Maltzman was actually hired in the midst of another national search. He was the interim provost for a bit in um, in 2016 after the last provost resigned and then uh, Stephen Knapp decided to, to keep him on as provost. But So this will be the second national search um, for a provost in the last couple of years. And like like we had talked about, once they retain someone, then, the, then Maltzman will go on his sabbatical. Thanks for giving us an update on this, Kayla. Yeah, definitely. I'm here with Hatcher reporter Shannon Millard to talk about a story this week about the research processes at the university. Shannon, what's the story? All right, so a report was recently released after a months-long review by faculty members and uh, university officials in the office of the vice president for research, Robert Miller, and um, there were four working groups in, uh, that were um, analyzing different aspects of research at the university, which include uh, pre-award processes, uh, post-award processes, uh, research integrity and compliance, and non-sponsored scholarship and research. And basically in the report, uh, each section just outlined some recommendations for how to better facilitate each of those processes to make them more efficient and uh, to make research more productive at the university. Okay. And based on the based on the research that they did what did they find that was kind of the problem with the processes at GW so some of the overarching conclusions from the report was um, the need for better communication between uh, different stakeholders in the research process whether that be between uh, research administration at the university and researchers or uh, with sponsors as well and also um, increasing the overall efficiency of research processes and um, eliminating 
kind of bureaucratic aspects of research processes. Does this report actually make any changes or how far do the recommendations go? Uh, yes, yeah, so some of the recommendations include um, what I'm thinking of off the top of my head is implementing a software which tracks pre-submission workflow. So basically that just tracks the process, that, uh, the progress that uh, researchers are making in developing their research proposals and ensuring that they'll be uh, submitted in a timely manner. And with regards to research compliance and integrity, uh, something else that was pretty heavily emphasized in the report was increasing training and education and research compliance policies to make sure everyone is very well versed in what those entail. Some, some changes are happening, yes. basically. Mm -hmm. Okay. As far as faculty go that do research, what was their response to this report? So far, it's been pretty positive. Uh, a lot of faculty at the university think that the report can serve as a guideline to streamline uh, research at the university and how it's conducted, um, especially with regards to increasing efficiency uh, with processes like submitting research proposals and um, getting notifications about whether a project is being funded. And implementing the recommendations uh, that were mentioned in the report can help the university um, achieve uh, President Lalonde's overall mission, a strategic mission, to um, bolster the university's reputation as a prominent research institution. I know that you talked to some administrators at other universities. What was their kind of analysis of this report? Um, they definitely agreed with faculty at our university that it's always a good thing to increase efficiency as much as possible to ensure that there's no delays in the process of trying to submit a proposal form or get notified about funding decisions or have any, uh, with regards to training and education, have any miscommunications regarding research compliance policies. What's next in this process? Uh, actually, there is a second phase of this process that is going to go underway fairly soon. So uh, groups will be announced at the end of the semester, and once they are announced, it's at the discretion of the working groups to decide when they want to start meeting to uh, begin their review, and the results of their investigation will be announced in early 2020. Thanks, Shannon, for talking about this story today. Uh, no problem. Thank you for having me. I'm here with staff writer Paige Morris to talk about a story about international students being welcomed to GW. Paige, what can you tell us? This program began last fall, so students arriving at Dulles Airport to start the semester were welcomed by students, staff members, faculty. So that just made them feel welcome at GW and then kind of got them excited to start school here. So they were provided, when they were welcomed, they were provided with metro cards, directions to get to GW, and a welcome guide, and also some snacks. But starting in the spring semester this year, they began offering a shuttle service to the students as well. So it just kind of cut off, cut out a concern that many international students had which was how to get to campus once you were welcomed. Like, it was still a stress that students had to deal with, um, having never been to the United States, some of them. So they kind of cut out that concern by implementing shuttles to pick up the students. So they had about four shuttles run a day in the spring when they were picking up students from the airport. And so they're continuing this program into the fall. Um, so students will be welcomed and they'll be transported via shuttle to campus. What did students who were actually welcomed say about the program? 
So one first-year graduate student that we spoke with said that she was very anxious when she first arrived at the airport, but then she kind of like was eased of her worries when she saw all the GW students and faculty and staff welcoming her at the airport. Um, also, she was worried about trying to travel back to campus, but having provide them provide a shuttle service for her was really helpful for her transition. Peek Sen Shua, the former um, student association president, worked closely with the International Services Office on this initiative. So he collaborated with the ISO as well as the SA to implement this initiative. He actually wasn't there welcoming the students. He was actually working more behind the scenes, getting the program off the ground. He's an international student himself, so he felt that the program was really important to implement for international students because it just makes them feel like the university cares about them and is excited for them to come to GW. How did the International Services Office fit into all of this? Jennifer Donahue, the director of the International Services Office, she said that including shuttle pickups this spring was kind of like a kink that needed to be worked out because there were a lot of concerns from students that were traveling and they did not know how to get to campus. So she said that alleviating those concerns was a really big thing for her. And so she said, shuttling all the kids to campus, like it took a lot of effort and a lot of planning, but it was very beneficial for the students that were being welcomed. And it also like allowed students and members of the student organizations that were welcoming them to bond with each other on like the shuttle and get to know each other before getting to campus. So Donahue said that this is a program that is gonna continue into the fall because there was just a, an overwhelmingly positive response this year from students and also families that were involved. So that's why they decided to continue it into the fall. Do you know how many students? So more than 50 incoming students were welcomed um, in the fall and in the spring total. Thanks for the update, Paige. Thank you very much for having me. That's all for this week. Thanks for joining us on Getting to the Bottom of It. Getting to the Bottom of It is hosted by news editors Meredith Roten and Leah Potter and features culture editors Sydney Lee and Lindsay Pollan. This podcast is produced by managing editor Matt Cullen and video editor Ariana Dunham. Music is produced by Olk Studio. Special thanks to Kayla Harris, Shannon Millard, and Paige Morse for joining us.